Yeah, what you and I are going through right now, no matter whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, is a discovery moment. We're talking about the story of our life and our life. I love uh, one of the many lines in that video I love is when T.D. Jake says, what you start out as is not what you will be. And that's really what life is about. That's what our journey is about, is this journey of becoming. Uh, This week, I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes about take it easy, taking it easy. Now, the truth is, is we're all kind of uh, attracted to ease, and there's really, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know anybody that gets up in the morning and says, I hope this is going to be one of the most difficult days of my life. I hope this is going to be a struggle and hard today. We, there's, there's people making fortunes out of uh, creating products that make our life easy. So we, we, our phones, as I turn my phone on, our phones are, uh, you know, one of the pictures of that. I found this online, uh, top 10, I'm not going to go through all 10, but top 10 silly but awesome products that make your life easier. So some of you, this is probably all you're going to get out of this service, so pay attention. Anyway, uh, number one on this list is blocked by another advertisement. Anyway, it's, it's wet notes, like it's wet notes. This, this you ever notice how many great ideas appear when you're in the shower? There are a lot of reasons for this, but uh, anyway, so this, this is a notepad that's kind of waterproof. Uh, so this is wet notes. Uh, just for those of you that are wondering, because you have great thoughts in other places, yes, it can be used there too. You can put that next to the restroom area. So because some of you get great thoughts there, that's a that's a top one. Here's a, here's a good one. Two um, D glasses. You ever get invited to a three D movie and you like hate it? You don't. You put those glasses on. You leave with a headache. Well, these are two D glasses, so you can go and put these on and you won't get a headache. So you can buy these. The maker of these actually say you could make your own. So those are obviously high quality. Um, here's here's another good one. Um, onion goggles. You can get onion goggles. These make life easier for those of you that have a hard time when you cut onions. Um, Sleep phones. We all need sleep phones. Sleep phones are kind of like the dicky for your head. For those of you that aren't old enough to know what a dicky is, uh, just ask somebody that's my age or older. They can help you out with that. It's not anything probably what you're thinking, but it was kind of a cool item. But these are headphones, kind of like a headband for your earphones so, so you can hear music while you're sleeping. Because if you ever, like me, you fall asleep with your headphones in, the earbuds, and you fall asleep and you wake up like three hours later and your, your ears are killing you. Not because the music's so loud, but because those earbuds really aren't great to sleep on. Another good one is an LED toilet, a nightlight toilet. It's a waterproof light that you can put inside of the toilet. So that in the middle of the night when you get up, you can get them in different colors. So it'll make your life easier. Some of you might want to get those for your children or grandchildren so that they can see where they're going, uh, because that creates problems. Anyway, there's nothing wrong with trying to make life easier. There's, there's certainly nothing wrong. It can get a little bit ridiculous. But in Romans 5, 1 through 8, Paul, a, a person of such great experience when it comes to ease, he even says at one time 
that there are environments that he lived into uh, as a person, that he prospered, he lived in areas and uh, parts of life that were easy for him, but he talks a lot about also the difficulty. I want to talk to you this morning about not just the difficulty that we go through, but the incredible potential that comes with all of that, how forming it is, and what great opportunity we have. Because listen, none of us are living a life of total ease. Difficulty, struggle comes for all of us. And when it comes, these become potential opportunities, eye-opening opportunities of potential in the midst of our difficulty. So Paul says this in Romans. This is one of the many times Paul actually refers to this type of thing. Romans 5, 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Some versions say in our difficulty, in our struggles, because we know that struggling or difficulties or suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, which would include all of us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God has demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were all still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ went through struggle for us, went through difficulty because what was on the other side of that, the opportunity to have relationship unhindered with each and every one of us was absolutely critical. So the first potential that Paul talks about here is the potential for perseverance. Have you ever really, when you think about it, ever really accomplished much of anything in your life that didn't come with some level of perseverance or endurance in order to get to that? I just talked with one of, in our greeting time, talked with a couple of the farmers, but one of the farmers just mentioned how much he loves this time of year because it's harvest time. It takes, it takes some endurance and perseverance to get to harvest time, not just on a farm, but in our lives. Spurgeon puts it this way. He says, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. I love this. Uh, I read about a couple that had been married for over 50 years, and one night the wife, she was feeling a little bit romantic, and she leaned over and she said, you know, uh, when we were first married, you used to just hold my hand uh, when we were laying in bed. And so the husband kind of, you know, gave a little bit of a sigh, and he reached over and tenderly grabbed her hand. And she said, you know, and when in the early days of our marriage, you used to kind of snuggle up to me uh, when we would be in bed at night. And, you know, he, he, with all kind of his effort that he had, he like rolled over and you could hear things cracking and creaking. And he kind of snuggled up to his wife. And she said, and I really liked it in the early days when you would nibble on my ear. And he kind of threw the blank 
blankets off, and he started to go into the bathroom. And she said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth. And um, so it's one thing to be romantic when there's a smell of, oh, to something in the air, and hormones are on full tilt, and you are feeling young and spry, but it's a whole nother thing to persevere in your relationship when you have to find your teeth and the room smells like Ben Gay and the ear has some kind of device in it that you want to nibble on. It just, it takes perseverance to be married 50 years, but there is a deep goodness that comes. See, perseverance is an elevator that takes you and I to the next level. It really is absolutely critical if we want to advance to the next thing God has in our lives to persevere. Botanists uh, call, the, call a certain effect that happens in, out in nature the crumholes effect. The crumholes effect is what happens in these areas around the world where it's kind of barren areas, a lot of, a lot of uh, areas where no plant growth can grow except for certain ones, and they have this ability to thrive in spite of a dis- difficult landscape. In Louder Than Words, Andy Stanley, speaking of this effect, says this. He says, at the edge of a rocky overlook in the Appalachian foothills stands a lone 200-year-old evergreen tree. At first glance, the scene looks like a snapshot taken during a violent storm, bent by two centuries of strong winds blowing up a steep ridge. The thick, I'm sorry, gnarled trunk leans hard to one side. Its heavy branches stretch longingly toward the mountain peak. Botanists call this phenomenon the crumholes effect. Constant winds from one direction have left this tree frozen in a distressed position. Like an oversized bonsai tree, it appears half dead as it clings to the ridge. Only the soft golden glow of an afternoon sun and the playful twitching of its delicate needles reveal the old tree is thriving peacefully. Through the years, it has defied heavy snows, hailstorms, steady westerly winds rising off the valley floor. From its vulnerable view of the endless ridges and valleys, it has seen conditions that would snap most trees right in half. Nevertheless, it stands alone at the edge of a vast landscape. On the outside, it looks worn and ready to topple. But when you look inside, it tells quite a different story. Its roots reach deep into the rich mountain soil, producing a steady, supple, and nourishing sap. The bows, though severely bent, are positioned to absorb the brunt of nature's blows without incident. And each year, the old tree yields lush green needles and abundant fertile cones. What's the secret? How can anything face such relentless opposition and survive? The answer lies below the surface for two centuries. As the elements have been hurling their assaults against this old tree and storms have raged outside, this tree has quietly been developing an inner support system to sustain it. Every gust of wind sent 
the roots clawing deeper into the soil, expanding their tenacious grip into the mountain year after year with the weight of ice and snow that caused strain. It growed thicker and stronger. On the outside, it may be an oddity, but on the inside, it is a picture of health. And then he says this, we are all like trees, subjected to the stormy elements of our life, and when the storms come, we either snap or we grow stronger. What makes the difference is not the ferocity of the storm, but the depth of who we are and who, how we persevere. Like an old tree, we need a system that is capable of sustaining and nurturing us through the relentless cycles of life. Most of us, if not all of us in this room, have lived through things that possibly could have already killed us, but we are here. You and I have persevered. Maybe those things that have made you feel like you, you couldn't go another day, but you persevered were things like divorce or bankruptcy, or you had a child that had problems and issues health problems or health issues. For some of you, you lost your job or your career got diverted. Some have lost their home. Some have, have lost other things that can't even be described here. Sometimes some of you have even felt like you're just, uh, this is where country songs come from, my life. This is where it comes from. But you are still standing and I am still standing. It is the potential of perseverance Perseverance, do not forget, takes you to the next level, like an elevator moving you to your next place that God is inviting you to. The second thing Paul describes, he says, with, with difficulty or suffering comes perseverance, and then if we persevere, then comes character. There is the potential for our character to be developed. Helen Keller says it this way. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through the experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened and ambition inspired and success achieved. See, character, like faith, is an interior work. It's a development that other people cannot see being developed in you and I. Character is something that forms on the inside of us People can't see your faith. People can't see your character internally. But eventually our character and our faith begins to show itself. What you and I do begins to prove our character and our belief. Character shows up in things like the way that you and I treat people that we don't really need. You might remember the story of David in the Bible when Uriah came before David slept with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. Uriah came as a soldier wanting to just serve David. And and David had a plot to literally end Uriah's life so that he could commit adultery with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. And David invited Uriah to spend the night with his own wife, which David understood may have been Uriah's last night on the planet. And Uriah said, no, I won't do that. I'll sleep on your porch. And he slept on David's porch. Because, see, David didn't think he needed Uriah. 
And then after, because David said, my, or Uriah said, my, my soldiers, which he oversaw, they're out fighting tonight. I could not sleep in a peaceful place. Heroic mentality of Uriah. See, David, the judgment that ends up happening in David's life is less about his committing adultery, bad enough as it was, and more about his mistreatment of a person, Uriah, that he didn't feel like he needed. Character shows up in, in when we treat somebody right, even though it costs us something. When we treat people with the love of God. Character shows up when we do get promotion, when we are elevated to the next level, when we are opened up to new levels of power and goodness. And God, maybe in our career or uh, in in our educational process or in our family, all of a sudden we kind of get a spotlight shined on our life because good things are happening. Character shows up if you do not change who you are simply because you're advancing and God is blessing your life. It's interesting, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 are two scriptures, two chapters of scripture where Paul describes the gifts of the Spirit extensively and how God blesses us and gives us talents and gives us our personalities and gives us these lives and really moves supernaturally through our lives. But it's no accident that sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians 12 and God's desire to release gifts of like prophecy and words of knowledge and gifts of teaching and all sorts of different things that get released in all of our lives in different ways, the talents that you have that have been given by God. And again, in chapter 14, it's no accident that chapter 13, Paul says this in the first three verses, if I speak with tongues of angels and of men, but, I'm not, but I do not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, yet have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, but I have not love, I have gained Nothing. See, you and I have been gifted by God. Every person has phenomenal things, resources released into our lives through gifts and talents and opportunities that were given through God. But if our character is not being developed at least at the same speed as the release of the goodnesses of God in our life, our, our gifts and talents will carry us to places that our character cannot support. And that is not God's desire. See, God's desire is to show his love through each and every one of our lives. That's what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, you'll persevere. As you you deal with difficulties properly, you're going to persevere. If you lean into God, then you're going to have to have your character grow and develop. Pay attention to becoming more like God would want you to become. So you have this superstructure internally to handle the superstructure of what's going on and what's being released in your life. Because what begins to happen is an opportunity for an unveiling of Christ's love. See, what character ultimately does and reminds us of is that it is not about us, 
those gifts you have, those resources you've been given, the, the beautiful temperament you have, the way that you are in the world, the goodnesses that you bring, that God is touching the world, uh, touching the world through your life with. It's not about you and it's not about me. This is about God's love flowing through us. See, I go through difficulty, you go through difficulty, so I can just shine more, and you can shine more. You can bring the grace to a world that is hurting and in such pain, and people that feel hopeless and feel broken and don't know where to turn. And Paul ultimately says there is this potential. First of all, you go through difficulty, you go through suffering or, or uh, situations that are hard. And you, if you persevere well, if you, it'll produce perseverance in you. And that'll begin to elevate you to new levels. If you want new opportunities in your life, just continue to persevere in faith. And then with that, pay attention and allow God to develop your character. Become more loving, more Christ-like. Don't change who you are as God brings increase into your life because as Paul refers to in Romans 5, he brings it all back to Jesus and what he's done because it's really not about us. It's about the love of God being shown to us and through us. And then he says, ultimately, ultimately, what this is about is there is this potential for hope Because ultimately, when we suffer, when we go through difficulty, when we go through hardship, it always becomes an opportunity for us to be reminded of the goodness of God and where all of this started, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God is more for us than we are for ourselves. John Ortberg says it this way, he says, hope is faith that is waiting on tomorrow. See, difficulty in experience, if we allow it, has a way of simplifying our life in a way that is vital. Our lives can become so noise-filled, so crowded, so complex, that what is most important and what we know at the core of our being can be crowded out. In other words, hope can get crowded out. But when difficulty does happen, when we take the opportunity for life to become more simple, we persevere, we allow the character of God to begin to be resident in us in a new and living way, it begins to strip away some of the things that cover over the treasure that is in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels Claire and I, um, on our 25th anniversary, we had the opportunity to go to Italy. And I think one of our favorite, really maybe our favorite place to be was um, we went to, we went to, and I'm having a mental block, Florence. It was our, it's hard to believe. I can't even remember where I went. So we're in Florence and it's just, uh, my father-in-law said Florence is digestible. But one of the things that was really remarkable, and this happened in different parts of Italy, but there was, there was a fresco of Dante, 
not our grandson, Dante, the one that wrote the Divine Comedy. And Dante was known, one of the things that he was known for is back in the 1300s, is he was the one that kind of made sure that literature and writing and uh, the Italian language was sustained because there was like a hierarchy and all that was being communicated was communicated for the higher class. And Dante realized that the commoners were having a hard time being able to uh, get a grip on what was going on in their culture. So his writing became more simple and he sustained. He's known as the person that kind of sustained the Italian language and culture throughout history, especially that time in history. He was celebrated and at one point there was a painting, a fresco made of him. And some say it was the first fresco ever made of him. And it was made, and for about 150 years, it was like a place where people would go past and they would celebrate it in Florence. It was just a reminder of this great person that had lived in their midst. But as time went on, and as things began to clutter and crowd out the importance of that painting, which was a fresco simply painted on a wall, it began to be plastered over and covered, which is true for a lot of frescoes in different parts of the world. It wasn't until a few hundred years later that it began to be remembered and discovered that there was this amazing fresco of this person that had been plastered over. And they began this work. There's a, we have a picture of it. They began this work of peeling off the plaster to remind them of what was underneath and what was so important at one point in their lives something they could celebrate again. What Paul is saying here is difficulty comes. And as you persevere, as you have your character strengthened and and firmed up and developed, as you lean into trying to live a life in Christ, you'll move to this place where hope springs forth in your life. Do not allow life to cover up your hope. One of my favorite stories from the last, uh, or individuals from the last couple hundred years was a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, and I'll end with this. Smith Wigglesworth was born in the mid-1800s, and he was, he had all sorts of personal problems. Wigglesworth was, grew up in an intensely poor family. He had physical ailments that would last his whole life. And God would use Smith Wigglesworth to become one of the most powerful, powerfully used healers in the early 1900s in the, in the Christian movement. Unbelievable miracles were happening through his laying on of hands and through when he would communicate the gospel Wigglesworth would live his whole life struggling from things that he would pray for other people and they would be restored from. The first time Wigglesworth preached in a healing service, he had given his life to Christ. At that point in his life, he was a plumber. And the speaker, it was a healing service, the speaker didn't show up and somebody looked at him and said, you are going to speak today. 
and Wigglesworth, newly saved, just wanting to be obedient to God, just began to speak, and his life would go from there full of the tension of difficulty, personal difficulty, while releasing the power of God. And there was a moment in Wigglesworth's life that I just absolutely love, and I want to leave you with this thought. So Wigglesworth, late in his life, got married. His wife's name was Polly, and he had encountered through the difficulties of his own life poverty and struggles physically. He had, he had, he had encountered difficulties and warfare with the enemy. He was no stranger to that, and at the same time saw amazing things happen through his life, through the ministry that God had given him. And what it continuously did was brought this intense confidence and hope that in every situation God was with him. So one night it said that Wigglesworth was in bed with his wife and they heard a rattling in another part of the house and fear came upon both of them, is what historians have said. And Wigglesworth got up to find out what the commotion was, went to the other part of the room, and Wigglesworth said, when I walked in the room, there was, there was a demonic presence in the room. He said, in my estimation, it was the devil himself. And Wigglesworth looked at this being and just said, oh, it's only you. And he went back to his bed, and his wife said, what was that all about? And he said, oh, it was someone of no consequence. Perseverance leads to character, which leads to hope, which is this deep confidence in the fact that greater is he who is in me than not only he who is in the world, but anything in the world. God is greater in your life. So always remember, difficulties in our lives, struggles, those are just mere, those are, those are taking us to our destination that God has for us. There's a plan in those things that God will use. God is too resourceful to waste hard days in our life. So even now, God, as we stand before you, I pray for all of us that we would well up in confidence, that we would know that when the enemy comes in like a flood at times, that it's just the enemy and that you are so much greater in our lives and you're doing something profound and powerful. We cling to hope today, a hope that isn't just some pie in the sky thing, but we've experienced the goodness of hoping in you. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. You went through every difficulty. You displayed perfect character and invited us to rely on you and to be able to hope in that. And we do that on this day. So I bless my friends. I bless this week. We open ourselves to the activity of your spirit. We peel off the dross, the plaster of this world, and we allow you to see this beautiful picture and that the world would see this beautiful picture of who you are making us into, creating us into. So give us strength when we go to our workplaces, when we go to school, when we go to coach, when we're out and about in the community, 
let your hope reside in each one of us and flow through us. And we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Have a phenomenal week, guys.